Welcome to NCC Unplugged, the podcast from Norman Christian Church, where conversations, community, and culture converge. Welcome to NCC Unplugged. My name is Jeff Terpstra. I'm the preaching minister at Norwin Christian Church, and I'm joined again this afternoon by Garrett Crawford, our minister of small groups and outreach. Hello. As well as Matt Mastriani. Hi. Our director of everything we ask him to do. That pretty much sums it up. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And it's Thanks a lot. for having me. So, our topic for this afternoon is to continue talking about our spiritual growth process, and we've covered our first step, which is to come. We, we believe people need to come to know who who Jesus is. We believe lives are transformed when they're willing to admit that life is not all about them. It's it's actually about Jesus, the author of life, and and uh, we 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 preach that unapologetically. But that isn't the end. We also believe that connections need to happen. And so that's our next step in our process is to connect. We we believe in relationships and relationships are, are powerful forces in our life. And so that's part of the reason that Garrett is with us this afternoon as maybe the main driver of those connections as a staff member through small groups. And so I want to talk him to talk a little bit about his mission and vision of our small group ministry and how we do it here at NCC. Yeah, so our our mission is pretty much just built off of Acts 2.42. And so we, we, we're focusing on four different, I would say, pillars of, of what we see the church, how we see the church operate. So if if we say that Christ is the foundation of the church, that we are married to Christ, so he is our foundation. Well, from there, there's four pillars that keep the church in healthy operation. And I think we find those pillars in Acts 2.42, and and we simplify them to studying the Word, fellowshipping together, breaking bread, and prayer. And, and so for context, that passage comes on the tail end of the day of Pentecost. That's where the Spirit of God indwelled the apostles, and they went out into Jerusalem during the the festival of the harvest. So Jerusalem was packed full of thousands of people, and they started preaching the gospel. They started proclaiming Christ, and and we have this this line that three thousand people were added that day. And so, I mean, Acts two thirty seven through thirty forty one. The the brothers, the the Jewish people that were there in Jerusalem, called out to Peter, what are we to do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so it's this, you know, here's the coming here, you know, be a part of the body of Christ here, repent, give your life to him, follow him, uh, join in what he is doing. And so we get in 41 that those who accepted this message were baptized 3,000 people were added to their number. But then you get verse 42, which is a statement of what happens next. And it says, they, meaning the church, the believers, devoted themselves. And that word devoted themselves is a participle. It's an ongoing action. So it's not like they did it one time, once a year, once a week even. It was an ongoing, consistent action of devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship to the breaking of bread into prayer. And so in our small groups ministry, we want to build our connections with one another around a studying, a, a deep study of the word. You know, mm-hmm. we want to grow in the word. 
and we want to grow in fellowship. That word is koinonia, and it's this Greek word that really means an intimate care for one another. It's the same word that's often used for for sharing burdens, for sharing possessions, for just a, a commonality of all things. And then breaking of bread was an idiom that was often used in the early church as kind of a, sim- a simplified expression of the Lord's Supper. So when it says that on the first day of the week they would gather together and break bread, that is a simplification of what the, f- the first thing Jesus did in the Lord's Supper. He broke bread and said, this is my body. And then he took the cup and passed around and said, this is my blood. And so when you see this word break breaking bread, this idiom, it is a representative of the Lord's Supper. And so we want what we emphasize in our groups, not that you're having communion together every week or every time you meet, but that you're reflecting on Christ, mm-hmm. that we are gathered together because of him, that we're not just a social club or a book club. We're an assembly of believers gathering together in Christ, and we reflect on him. And then lastly, that we pray, that we're devoted to prayer. We're devoted to lifting one another up. And that word, the Greek word for prayer, is a word that means coming before. Mm-hmm. So we don't just see prayer as giving list a list of things that we need or want to God, like he's a genie, but we see this as we're gathered together in a living room or in a, a, a room at church, and as we're praying, that group, that assembly, is stepping into the throne room of God. Mm-hmm. And so those are the four pillars that we see as a church. Christ is the foundation, studying the Word, fellowshipping together, Lord's Supper, re- reflecting on Christ, prayer. Those are all the pillars of the church and we want those pillars to be evident and and occurring in our our small groups. Yeah. So you're almost saying our small groups are a reflection of our church overall. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so for you and your experience with small groups, what's the importance of small groups and connecting in those small groups? Obviously, okay. Somebody's somebody says, okay, these are the four things it does. Why do I need that in my life as a Christian? Mm. One one of my favorite lines that I've ever heard. When I was at a church in college, one of the churches that I attended, it was a larger church, so it was a little bit bigger. Norwin, to me, is huge. Like, <laughs> I've never been in a part of a church that was this big. But this church here was a church that I would just attend every so often, so it was like a 1,000 people, so it was really big, too. And they had a small groups minister that twice a year he would come on stage, and he would let everyone know small groups are about to kick off and everything. And he would always say that as we grow in numbers, we have to join a small group because small groups are the way that we make a big church feel small, Mm -hmm. that we make a a large church feel intimate. Because if you don't have that sort of connection point in, in developing groups in your house, community, whatever, then you just become a face in a crowd Mm -hmm. and you might see someone once a week, but you're not building a, a relationship with them. You're not connecting with them. And if you're not connecting with the people who you are a part of the body of Christ alongside, then you're not able to really fill, live out what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. You're just, you know, going to get your Jesus fix once a week. And that's not really what it means to be, to be the church. I really don't like the verbiage that's used to say, I'm going to church. We're not going to church. We're being the church. And Sunday mornings is a point where we get to be together, to worship together. 
but you're the church when you're gathering in your houses together for a small group. You're the church whenever you join out and go to, you know, Dave and Buster's and play some games <laughs> like our small group did a few weeks ago. You know, we're joining together in community and relationships and prayer and in studying the word because we're reflecting what it means to be the body of Christ. And and that's essential in order to live out what it means to connect to God and connect to the body. So maybe take me as a maybe a average churchgoer, maybe less than average churchgoer. I, I just want to come in and be a nameless faith mm-hmm. face. And I guess I guess what I'm hearing from you is you're not fully experiencing the blessing God wants to yeah. give you. You're not fully experiencing who who Christ is and who Christ is making you into when you're not willing to give your full self to community. Yeah, and I think part of that's built off that sort of mentality, because that certainly is a mentality that we come into when we come to church. But it's kind of that consumerist mentality that American culture puts on things, that I'm coming to get a product. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm putting my tithes in, I'm putting my time in to get a return Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm going to go to the church with the best worship, or I'm going to go to the church with the best kids ministry. Or I'm going to do, you know, the things that I want in order to get the best product. But that's not the early church at all. Mm-hmm. The early church is I'm joining into this community in the same way that you could say that I'm a part of my own family. You're saying that I'm a part of this family of God. I'm part of this family. I'm not going for a product. And so you could say, you know, I just want to go and check this church out, which is fine, but that's not what is meant in the assembly mm-hmm. as it is in, in Scripture. And so you're missing out, like you said, on the blessing of what it means to belong to the body of God when you just say, I'm going for this product, so to speak. I've shared this before, but you know, the church where we came from, we helped plant that church. And then whenever we started coming to Norwin, it was, we're just going to church, mm. right? And we're not getting involved mm-hmm. and we're not doing anything. And then several months in, we started hosting a small, leading a small group. And I got asked in, to be in the position where I am now. And during those few months where we did just come, it felt so weird. It was empty almost, yeah. you know, and, and we were missing that connection and it wasn't until we started, you know, hosting small groups and getting more involved. Some of the small groups that we've led now are best friends with those people mm-hmm. that if we wouldn't have ever gotten involved in connecting with them, there were people we didn't know before. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's that's a personal experience of the benefits and the power of truly connecting. Well, like there's not, and granted, I'm in the position of small group minister, so this is a little different, but... There are not very many, it would be very difficult for someone to move 500 miles, go to a new location, and become best friends with people within three weeks, unless you have a community like we do with small groups. Mm -hmm. But that's, you know, that's what happened with us. Once we got established, like we were commuting back and forth from Morgantown for two months. So obviously it's hard to get established. The good old days. (laughs) I had to drive to Uniontown last night. After when I left here and go back home, and it felt like going the morning. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. gosh, I don't know how I did that. <laughs> but anyway, once we got the house and we were here and we started our small group, I mean, we became close with people right away. 
how many people could say that they go start a new job in a new state, in a new city, thousands of miles, or not thousands, hundreds of miles away from they, where they had been for eight years, mm-hmm. and say that within a week, two weeks, they felt like they were in a close-knit community. But that's what happens with the church. We become connected with people because we share something on a deep, deep level, uh, on a spiritual level. We share a connection with Christ that you know is something that makes the early church stand out because one thing that Paul says in Galatians is that there's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, all are in Christ. And I think to a certain extent, we don't we take that line for granted because we live in a culture where you know there isn't as much stigmatism, depending on who you talk to, I guess. But there really isn't compared to the ancient world. There was the status quo. You were either a slave or you were free. You were either a Jew or you were a Gentile. And those boundaries didn't cross. But then all of a sudden you have the church and there are Jews and Gentiles that share the spirit, Mm -hmm. that share in Christ. And now they're a community together at the table together, sharing a meal every, you know, throughout the week. It's just this completely different cultural paradigm that happens in the early church. And unless we're being intentional about our small groups and connecting, we're in danger of consumerizing it, and and then it doesn't really become the church anymore. Yeah, and another danger is just reflecting society at large. If our level of connecting with one another is just a surface level, then what makes us different than another organization Mm -hmm. or a PTO or some sports organization. But when we truly are seeking out the biblical definition of connection and some of the pillars that you talked about from Acts chapter 2, it makes the church distinct yeah. and it makes us different than the world around us when we're willing to give our lives up for Christ, but also give our lives up for the church and one another. And it makes us different than the world and it, it attracts people because they see that difference. Right. I mean, if you look at it, Every Sunday you come into church and people ask, how are you doing? How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. That to the world, that's where that conversation ends. If you're involved in a small group and have that close-knit community, yeah, I'm good on the surface, but I'm struggling in this area or, you know, I'm I'm dealing with Mm -hmm. anxiety, depression, my life's a wreck, you know, or, you know, for example. So, so that's, you can really, you can look at that community to go on or go beyond the superficial, like, yeah, I'm good, but you're really not. And that's where those connections, you wouldn't go up to a random stranger and tell them all, all your problems, right? Right. But whenever you have that close community, yeah. you can you can really open up. I can't remember. I was trying to look up the, the statistic that I was recalling, but during COVID, there was a lot of surveys that happened because of all the isolation that took place. Mm-hmm. And there was an uptick, a huge uptick in anxiety and and mental health decline and things like that because people were so isolated. Mm -hmm. And there was this, it it just showed that there was this innate longing for people to be in community. Even if it was a community of going to a restaurant that there's a bunch of other people in talking and you just sit there by yourself, that's more community than sitting alone in your house. And so people we have this innate longing for being in community because we were created to be in community. And you can't really find that in the world. You can. People join clubs and different things like that to have that community. But what they're sharing in 
So for example, the the Greek word ekklesia for church, that was first coined in a, in a way to, to talk about people who were joining together to discuss like Hellenistic philosophy. So it was often used to talk about philosophers who would join together to discuss Herodotus or Plato. Like you had this Platonic ex- ecclesia that would join together to discuss Plato. Mm. And so that assembly is then defined by their discussion on Plato. But that can only go so far because the only thing that you share in common is that you like to read Plato. We have something that doesn't, you don't run out of it. You, you don't ever run out of things to discuss. You don't ever run out of things that you share because we share a commonality in Christ that goes deeper than a, a habit, deeper than a hobby, deeper than an interest. And and so that community that we share, that's why we're called a family, is because we have a spiritual DNA that we share that is binding us together. And And people long for that. And the church is the only entity that can truly provide what people are longing for in that degree. Yeah. Someday I wish we had a small group where we got to play with Plato, but I guess we have to talk about him as well. Um, Make it happen, Gary. So let's talk a little bit about the cultural difference. We've been heading at it, talking about it a little bit. Just how the Bible's written to a collected community. And you talked before we started recording about how even sometimes presented as a plurality of people, but this plurality of people becomes one. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it's used as a singular, but still for a plurality of people. And just the difference that in a society is compared to the American, I'm free, I'm independent, I want to make my own decisions. Individualism. It's, it's night and day. So so we may think or we may talk about these things as the ideal of our church. And maybe even some are listening and say, saying, okay, well, why don't we do that? Often we're fighting forces that we may not even recognize, one of those being just the cultural understanding of independence and isolation, and again, I want to do it my way. So as a church, how do we face that? Yeah, that's that's hard because there is rampant individualism in, in American culture. So if you would look at like a, a church in China or a church in Africa— the way that their church operates is going to be vastly different than the way we operate because there we operate on an individualistic level of kind of like my way or the highway or I want to fulfill my wants and needs mm-hmm. and there's not as much care for the community, yeah. which, you know, it, it wasn't that way. If you go back 80 years ago, it was, it was a different mentality, but that's just kind of a new thing. So we're navigating new waters as the, as the church, how do we emphasize community in an individualistic society? And part of that just simply starts with showing people this is what it means to be the church and Mm -hmm. getting rid of that mentality that I'm going to church and saying, no, I am the church. And by being the church, we're saying that, like we talked about in the last podcast, we are coming to Christ not so that he can affirm who we are individually, but so we can deny who we are individually and become a new creation in him. And in doing that, the next step is connecting to others who are alive in him and who we share in that. And so we have to, the first step is kind of shifting our 
our understanding, you know, moving from this individualistic mindset that that what I get out of church is what I want mm-hmm. instead of and instead say I am the church. I am a part of this community. I am a part of this assembly and I want to participate in that. And so mm-hmm. that can be hard because now you're saying I'm going to kind of fight against the status quo or step out of my comfort zone in a lot of ways. But once you do, you realize just how important it is and how life-changing it is to mm-hmm. to be to connect and be a part of that. Yeah, and like you said it relates to our last spiritual step what we talked about when it come when we say come come to know Jesus. And that's part of all these steps intermingling. Mm. And some of what we discussed when we thought about how the vision can be boiled down to these four steps and our process as spiritual growth, these two steps, which comes first? Do we connect first and then grow, or do we grow, and as we grow, we connect? And we had some good discussions on that. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, we, as we evaluated our own lives and the lives of those at NCC, we saw saw connection happening first for the majority of people. Mm -hmm. And once they connect, there's a greater desire for growth. Not, but not just desire, also the growth happens because of the connections. Yeah. Because we have so many blind spots in our own life or comfort zones where we say, well, I growed in, I growed, oh boy. <laughs> I grew in this area of my life. And then someone comes alongside of us and says, yeah, but what about this area of our life? I mean, here we all are sitting in this room and we all have spouses that we rely on for that. You know, tell me what I'm doing wrong. They they point these things out, not in a judgmental way, but we grow in our marriages. And mm-hmm. so we thought that connection should be the second step. And through those connections, we see great growth. And maybe eh, I think it can be argued that we can grow on our own, but I think there's going to be a ceiling to that. And it's going to be a lot harder. Yeah. Than if than if we were in community and we were growing with others to keep us accountable, to keep us encouraged, and then to see others' growth and be encouraged by that. So it's 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 a process that's connected with other steps and we see growth and connection happening a lot hand in hand. Right. And I know we'll talk about the the growth process in the next episode, but yeah, if you look, you know, our icon for for grow is a plant. If you look at a plant by itself, just the outside, the sun and the water that may seep into it, by itself, it will grow mm-hmm. a little bit. But whenever you have a plant that's tended to, whenever you have somebody taking care of mm-hmm. it, providing more direct sunlight, more water, it's you're, you're relying on outside sources to help it really take root and grow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm not an arborist, so you can like fact check me on this, but I'm pretty sure like there's evidence to say to show, I think it was Natalie, Jonathan's wife, telling me this, that there's a lot of evidence that shows trees communicate with one another. That, like, there is, like, this, they've been able to study trees and see that there's root systems that connect and that they'll communicate, like, grow this way because the soil's better over here. And there's, like, some sort of biological communication that goes on. And so trees grow better in forests and then... You know, you know, when they're by, you know, in communicating yeah, than they yeah. do by themselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah somebody better back, check, fact yeah, check, fact check that. But that would be cool um, if, yeah. if I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> so going back a little bit to the question I asked Garrett earlier, you know, how do we combat this natural tendency for isolation? 
I think another part of it is just re- learning to re re reread scripture differently mm. and and realizing it in a lot of ways, especially in the New Testament, these these passages and letters are written to a community. And in English, when we read the word you, it can be singular, it could be plural. And a lot of times we take it singular because of our understanding of individualism. But for them, it's a church community that's reading this letter. And so many times it's referring to a plural you. And sometimes this can affect how we read a passage, sometimes not. Uh, something I came across and I wasn't able to find it again. Maybe Matt will find it by the time this podcast gets up and he could put it in the notes, show notes below. But there's a version of scripture that for us Pittsburghers uses the plural yins. And so you can read through scripture and know that anytime the you is pl- plural, <laughs> it will say yins. And so it brings a little bit of clarity mm-hmm. for those of us that speak speak Pittsburghese to where that scripture writer is communicating, how he's he's talking. And so one passage I wanted to bring up that I think affects the reading a little bit is 1 Corinthians 6, 19. And you may have heard this passage before. It says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? And I've heard that passage being used before, like when you go to a gym, right? And the gym maybe is a Christian Christian owner of that gym and on the wall has those words, your body's a, a temple. You need to take care of your temple and you need to work out and you need to push harder and you need to eat healthy and all these things, which th- there's probably justification for that in scripture, right? We should take care of the body we we're created by God in his image. Uh, we should care for that which God gave us. I'm not sure that this verse could be used as that justification. Why? Because the you is plural. Hmm. And so this this verse isn't talking to Matt. I mean, it is talking to Matt, but not just Matt in that he needs his body individually as an individual temple. It's, it's plural. So don't you know that Yin's bodies are, are being built into a temple? In other words, the church as a collection of people, as they live out their lives through Christ and their faith in Christ, are being made into that temple image. What's the temple image? Well, going back to the Old Testament, it's where God dwelt, where his presence was. That's now the church. It's God's people. And so they're being built into the spiritual temple for God to be with. And so there, to me, there's some greater depth to that passage when you read it, not as individual people, but as a collection of people. I've never parsed that out. So I didn't, I didn't know that. That's there a you really go. Read the Pittsburgh like Bible. Yeah. 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 That's, I would really actually like to read that because I've never thought of it that way, that if you have like every other language, it's easier to see the plural of you. Mm-hmm. And we miss so much, much in the English because you plural and you singular is the same. But there's probably so many lines that and you know, when you parse out the lines, you see it more clearly. But how often do we just skip over something like that? And mm-hmm. we give it a different meaning than than what Paul's actually getting at. Like yeah. in our minds, we should all just be yoked Christians. Like <laughs> we should come to church and just be like swole. Some of us are, some of us aren't. <laughs> but it also goes back, it brings us all the way back to the beginning of our conversation. You're not you're not receiving what is really meant by you being part of the church if you're just yeah. coming and remaining nameless. You you're an essential part of the church. You are the part of the collection that's being built up into the spiritual temple. And there's so many passages that talk to this. I flip to 1 Corinthians 12. It talks about our spiritual gift. What's the point of a spiritual gift? Mm-hmm. Well, it's not for you to 
have something new trick to do or some greater sense of hospitality or teaching. It's to build up the the body, to build up the church. That's the point of a spiritual gift. And so uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 just says, the body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized into one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jew, Gentile, which goes back to the passage you brought up earlier, Garrett, slave, free, all of those divisions don't matter as much because we have the spirit in common. We have the spirit to drink, even as so the body made up of one part, but of many. And so the, the, the point of this, again, is so that the church would be built up and would be countercultural, would be different than anything that the world has to offer. And so just rereading scripture with that understanding of connection with God's people. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> and scripture as a whole, when you look at the entire corpus of scripture, it is written through a community lens. Like ancient culture was the furthest thing from individual. I mean, your retirement fund came from your your offspring. Like there, you had to have community to survive. Mm-hmm. And so when we read scripture through an individualized lens, we're reading it in a way that it wasn't written mm-hmm. to be read. Mm-hmm. Community is essential. The The difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is the community of God gets expanded to the world mm-hmm. through the nation of Israel. And so when we read Scripture, we have to read it through that lens that God is calling us and created us to be in community. And when we isolate ourselves from that community, we are acting contrary to how He created us to be. And the church is the way that we join into the family of God. And so if you say, I'm coming to Christ, but not connecting to Him through the church— well, then you're really missing out, like you said, on the blessing of what it means to come to Christ. You're missing out on the growth. You're missing out on the community. And so it's not just that, like we're saying, we wouldn't say that to be a member of Norm Christian Church, you have to be a part of a small group. Right. But we're saying you're missing out on what it means to yeah. be a part of the church. Yeah. And there's also other opportunities other than small groups to be part oh, of the yeah. community. Yeah. Uh, we have some great ministry teams that, man, work every week together to accomplish something, whether it's preparing communion, whether it's our mops ministry that meets together on Thursday mornings. There's, To me, there should be no excuse to not be involved in some sort of community here at Norwin. Yeah. And I was going to say too, when we just released this feature on the website, there is now a connect tab where you can sign up if you want to be involved in a different ministry here, you mm-hmm. click on it and it lists almost every single ministry here. Cool. Fill it out, hit submit, and we'll get in touch with you on how you can get involved with that ministry. Yeah. So there's numerous opportunities out there. Just you know, say one last thing about the the importance of community and connection in the church is the way you know we center our Sunday service around communion. That's why it's in the middle of the service. That's why it's kind of this, it's the integral part of our service because we believe at Norman Christian Church and along with most independent Christian churches or Churches of Christ, we affirm that this is something we do every week as a body of believers. Now, I think somewhere that we we have a tendency just as, you know, 21st century Christians to miss the mark is we often referred to this time as taking communion. Mm-hmm. Like, the bread and juice, the the little cup that you get, that it's a prescription. Mm-hmm. The the way that we should really say it is that we are joining in communion. We are having it together. 
the, the, the word communion comes from the word community. And the reason that word exists is because it's referring to the Lord's Supper. It's referring to what the early church did when they gathered around the table together and they broke the bread and they passed it around and said, remember, this is representative of Christ's body. Then they drank the cup and they passed it around and they shared the cup and said, you know, remember, this is representative of Christ's blood. The reason we're at this table together is because of him. And so communion, the Lord's Supper, wasn't an individualized thing where you introspectively take this cup and have this private moment. I mean, we do have that, but it's it's more. It's a corporate time where we join and have supper. We have a meal in, in recognition of the community that we have, the family that we are in Christ. Yeah, thanks for that. Some great depth to this word connect, just like it was some great depth to the word come. Next, we'll be talking about the third step, which is grow. And then finally, our last step, our fourth step is go. I want to thank you again for listening to this podcast and just encourage you to connect. You may not be in the Norwin area. You might be somewhere else, but we still encourage you to connect. Uh, We're not the only Bible-believing church. We're not the only ones in the kingdom of God. There are a lot of great ways for you to connect with God's people, but we encourage you to do that in some way. We believe in doing so, you will be blessed more than you know. You will grow and your faith will be deepened. And so I just encourage you to connect with us if you are here local and be part of our church, connect in a small group or a ministry, whatever opportunity you have. Reach out to us if you're searching for more opportunities, and we'll make sure uh, we connect you in a group that that fits well. So thank you again for listening to us this afternoon or whenever you're listening, and uh, pray that you have a great week. Thanks so much. Before we end, oh, just boy. to, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, did did some, check I did some fact checking. Oh. And, and trees and plants do, in fact, communicate with each other through their root system. And a certain network, which I cannot uh, pronounce? pronounce properly. So just Google it. Do trees communicate? The answer is yes, they do. Damn. They can send out distress signals whenever they're being attacked by insects to let other trees know. It's like the ants from Lord of the Ring. Like, real quick. Tell me there is no God. Like, how, how, how can that be a thing? And then people still think there's no God. All right. There you go. And with that, thank you again. Thank you for tuning in to NCC Unplugged. If you've enjoyed listening to our podcast, we encourage you to share this with your friends and family. NCC Unplugged is available on all major podcast platforms. And if you're ever interested in experiencing Norwin Christian Church firsthand, We invite you to join us for our services every Sunday at 8.45 and 10.30 a.m. We have engaging classes available for all ages, ensuring there's something meaningful for everyone in our church community. For more information about NCC or any other inquiries, visit norwinchristianchurch.com 